Amen. Thank you, Miss Brown. I appreciate that very much. <coughs> oh, thank you. All right, get your Bibles, if you will. Thank you. Thank you. All right, get your Bibles. Remain standing with me, if you will. Thank you. Acts chapter 9. Remain standing. And uh, help me with the monitors just a little bit, if you will, please. If it's all right out there, I can't hear well up here. Uh, I want to ask now that you settle and nobody go out, nobody move. If you need to move, move right now. Now, if it's an emergency, I understand, but I mean that if it's an emergency... And uh, I want you to stay settled, and I want you to listen. And uh, we're getting ready to go in the last quarter here, and you don't want to miss a play. I want you to be here now for the uh, last part of the uh, service tonight. I want you to follow the Scriptures as I preach tonight on this subject, the will of God and right relationships. The will of God and uh, right relationships. Acts chapter 9, we have... uh, The conversion of Saul of Tarshish, he becomes, of course, the Apostle Paul. And I want you to notice the very first day, the very first activity, what happens in the life of the Apostle Paul. Acts 9, verse number 6. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? He was interested in his purpose. Do you see it? That's what Dr. Jorgensen just preached. Paul said, what's my purpose? By the way, if you want to know what's your purpose, you better ask the one that made you. The one who gave you life, the one that saved you. He said, what, is, uh, what would thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarshish, for behold, he prayeth. Now, what was he praying? He was praying what he's just said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? The Lord said, I want you to go to this place, and it will be told thee. And so Paul is there, he has no sight, and he is praying. And God said to Ananias, I want you to go down to the house of Judas. He lives on Straight Street. And I want you to go down there and I want you to see Paul because he is praying. He is seeking God's will. Verse 12. And I've seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man. How much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. Notice, uh, this man is afraid, and rightfully so. Saul of Tarsus has killed uh, Christians. He has imprisoned Christians. And uh, Ananias is afraid. Verse 14. And there he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and the kings 
and the children of Israel. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless now in this closing message. I believe this truth to be of uh, most importance in our lives. I pray, Lord, that you'd please help us to listen. I pray that there would be no distractions from listening to the message. I pray, uh, Lord, that we would not seek to be entertained, but we would seek to be uh, preached to and taught. And Holy Spirit, have your way and will. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. One of the prayers, the consistent prayers of my life, and a prayer with concern that I carry both as a pastor and as a parent of five children is that my people and that my children stay in the will of God. I desire for God's people, I desire for my children to stay in God's will. I mean that they will stay in a close relationship with, the God, uh, with God to the place that they are allowing God to accomplish His will and His purpose in their life. I pray for myself. I pray for my wife every morning that we accomplish the will of God. One of the prayers I pray is, Lord, I yield myself to you today. I yield my mind. I yield my body. I yield myself to you today. As I pray with my children, I say, Lord, I cannot make them yield, but Lord, I pray that they will yield their life to your will today. I believe there is a great hedge of protection when I am in the will of God. I believe the devil seeks to harm me. I believe the devil seeks to ruin my life. I've seen many preachers ruined. I've seen many Christians, many teenagers ruined. I believe the Bible when it says, Behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. I believe the Bible when the Bible says to be sober... Be vigilant, for your adversary the devil walketh about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I believe the devil would like to destroy every life here tonight. And so I desire to be in the will of God because I believe the will of God is a hedge of protection about me. The prayer that Job prayed every day, that man that was a perfect and upright man, not only for himself, but for his children, is that they would be in the will of God, and he prayed that hedge of protection about them. I am concerned tonight that many Christians do not have enough regard or enough respect or concern for being in the will of God. I think too many uh, take it uh, lightly to step out of the will of God, thinking it's something that you can step in and you can step out of. Many think the will of God is an option. I don't think it is. Many think it is an elective in life. I think it is a requirement. Many uh, believe that the will of God is an addition, is in addition to salvation. I believe it is the purpose of salvation. The will of God is. Many think that the will of God is not important. I believe it is most important that we live in the will of God every day. I believe that the will of God is a place of safety. I believe the will of God is a place of grace. I believe it's a place of blessing. I believe the will of God is a place of strength. I believe I can accomplish more in the will of God than I can outside of the will of God. I believe there's more strength. One of the, uh, I believe there's safety. One of the stories I, I love, and I uh, tell it often and told it in college, I think, just last week, 
of a young couple that had surrendered to the mission field and they were on a ship making their way to another continent to serve the Lord as missionaries. And a great storm came about to the place that they were afraid or as the story went, his wife was very afraid and so afraid that she questioned the will of God. Maybe we shouldn't be on this boat. Maybe we shouldn't be going. And her husband took from his pocket a knife that was very sharp. And he said to her, he said, sweetheart, he said, are you afraid of this knife? She said, no, I'm not afraid of the knife. He said, I want you to know it's sharp. And this knife has the ability to cut you. This knife has the ability to take your life. Why are you not afraid of it? She said, because it's in your hand and I trust you. And he said to her, the storm is in his hand. I don't fear the storm because I trust him. I am in the will of God. The will of God is a place of safety. The will of God is a place of joy. I believe being outside of the will of God is the opposite of all of those things I've just mentioned. Rather than blessing, I believe it's cursing. Rather than joy, I believe it's sorrow outside the will of God. Rather than grace in the will of God, I believe it's difficult outside the will of God. Rather than strength, I believe it's weakness outside the will of God. Now, here's the message. It appears to me, as I study the will of God in the lives of others in this book right here, and I believe the Apostle Paul is perhaps uh, the greatest example of a preacher, of a Christian, of anybody I know in this book. Uh, by the way, the Apostle Paul was not a, a, a young, dumb fellow. This fellow was one of the most educated of his day. He was one of the most traveled of his day. He was one of the most respected of his day. But as I understand the will of God and finding the will of God for our lives, I always find that God guides us in His will through proper and right relationships, being with the right people and being in the right places. Paul was directed toward right relationships. Lord, what will thou have me to do? He said, it shall be told thee what to do. And at that point, when Paul wanted to see, he went blind. They took Paul by his hands and they led him to Damascus. He couldn't see. He's asking the question, what do you want me to do? And in a time that he wanted to see the most, he is blind. And he has to trust who these men are, these servants, to take him to Damascus. And he waits there for three days and he's praying. And God says, Ananias, I want you to go down to Damascus. I want you to go down here. And I want you to find Saul of Tarsus. He is in a house on Straight Street. And I want you to lead him in my will. Here's what I'm saying. God in His Word brings the right people into our lives, helping us to discover His perfect will for our life. Perhaps that's why the devil fights so hard against Christians establishing good and right relationships. He is not... Listen to me. I want you to hear what I'm about to say right here. When, when God put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, He developed with them a daily relationship. The Bible said He came and He fellowshiped with them in the cool of the day. There was a relationship with God and Adam and Eve. Now listen to me. When Satan entered into the garden, 
He did not enter into the garden to establish a relationship of friendship. He did not go to establish a relationship. He came to destroy a relationship. And it's no different today. The devil's not trying to have a relationship with you. The devil doesn't care anything about you. If he did, he'd get those folks out of jail. He helped get in jail uh, with all of the sins and the lies and the deception that they followed. The devil doesn't want any relationship. He wants to destroy your relationship and mine with God. He wants that, and, and rock music that they have no desire to have a relationship with you. All they want is for folks to buy their music. They don't care anything about you. The only person that ever cared anything about you and me was a God of heaven that gave His only begotten Son to come to this world and live and die for mankind that you and I could know the joy and the happiness of being in His will and having a purpose in life. There are basically three parts to the will of God. I'll not spend a long time here, but there are some things that are just God's sovereign will. God's going to control. Uh, they're a part of it was God's will uh, for His Son uh, to come from heaven to earth to die on the cross for mankind. Uh, that's just in God's plan. It was not a response to their sin. It was a plan settled before the foundation of the world. There are some things that are just the sovereign will of God. There's God's moral will. Uh, this too is forever settled and unchanging. There's God's written uh, law. That never changes. This book right here is forever settled in heaven. Uh, it always has been. Uh, some folks say to me, well, it's getting old. Uh, you can't date something that you can't can't tell me when it was born. This book always has been and always will be. This is, a, this is God's will that He gave us this Word right here. But then I want to say God has a particular will for each person in their life. As He preached, God has a purpose for every person. I'm going to tell you something. Growing up, there are many folks who felt sorry for me. Yeah, you're the son of that Baptist preacher. Where do you go to school? I go to the Hazard Christian Academy. Yeah, that's that little Christian school up there. You don't get to take part in all of the activities that we do in the county. Your dad's brainwashing you. Finally came to the place one fellow used to tell me that all the time. He said, you're being brainwashed. I finally told him one day, sir, as kind and respectful as I know how to be, your brain could use washing a little bit uh, uh, yourself. And... uh, uh, but they felt sorry for me. They felt sorry for me because they, they felt like I was trapped. I had a, a school teacher before our Christian school started that told my mom and dad, this young man has potential if you would let him develop that potential, if you let him outside of the box, if you would let him outside. He's always in church or activities. I'm going to tell you something. Don't feel sorry for me, but I'll tell you this. I walked through the Atlanta airport or a Detroit airport, places where there are throngs of people. I feel sorry for them headed quickly. No place, no purpose in life outside of living for things that are going to fade away and going to pass away. But in my soul, there's a peace and a joy and there's a happiness that this whole world can't afford. Hey, you're looking at a preacher tonight that owns some things that Donald Trump can't afford to buy. I own some things tonight that this whole world cannot have. This whole world cannot afford because I've found the will of God. And the will of God is a place of joy and happiness and it's a wonderful life. Don't feel sorry for me. I feel sorry for the world. 
They laugh at me. Yeah, there come them independent Baptists. There come those white shirts and ties. I see them coming. Sometimes I want to say, have you ever looked in the mirror? And these guys be bopping down the, uh, down the mall hallway. They got a 28 waist and wearing a 42 pants. Held up with a log chain. Their hair looks like it's been cut by a lawnmower. Looks like they've been in a fight with BB guns and they've got BBs stuck all in them. They're looking at me like I'm funny and I'm thinking, you got to be kidding, man. I'm the one who's got it made. Now, as I understand this God's particular will for my life, the single truth I want us to see about that tonight is that in God's particular will, it is most often revealed through the right relationships of life. I have to put myself in the right place. I have to put myself among the right people if I am going to know the will of God for my life. Think of it. Saul was saved on the Damascus Road. He was taken from Damascus and was blinded there for three days. A group of men, they, they led him there to Damascus. He then was introduced to a man by the name of Ananias. Ananias introduced him then, uh, took him to the synagogue, and he took him to the right place. He said, uh, Paul, I want you to tell him what happened. And Paul preached the gospel and how his life was changed on the Damascus Road. Can you imagine? I'll bet you nobody went to sleep that night. I mean, this is a guy that used to kill Christians. Now he's testifying how God made him one. He not only took him to the synagogue, he was then introduced to Barnabas. He not only was introduced to Barnabas, Barnabas took him down to the church and introduced him to the church. And we find that God revealed His will for Paul's life step by step in one person, one right person, one right relationship after another. As I study the Word of God, I find that God uses people to help us know the will of God. The Old Testament tells us of the school for the prophets. What were they doing? Those young men were learning from Elijah and Elisha. They were teaching them and training them and guiding them to know the will of God. God used Paul to train Timothy. Uh, God used Elijah in the life of Elisha. Each disciple was called to follow Christ and Christ taught them day after day during his earthly ministry. There was Esther, uh, the queen, but she was guided and directed by that righteous uncle a man by the name of Mordecai. Esther did not have the... Uh, she didn't see what Mordecai saw. Esther didn't see that, but Mordecai came and he said, Esther, uh, you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Go tell the king what has happened. And after a conversation, and after some, don't miss it, some persuasion, some persuasion of Mordecai to Esther, she declared, if I perish, I perish. We preach sermons from that I have, and that's where I want to be. I want to stand for truth. And if I perish, I perish. And I want to stand right there. If, if I, I want to die fighting for the truth. I, I love to sing that song. I want to die on the battlefield. I want to die serving God. But wait just a minute. It wasn't Esther that got it in her mind to go to the king. It was Mordecai. It was the right relationship that she had that directed her in the will of God. 
I think of Daniel and his three friends from Jerusalem. I think the men who returned to Jerusalem with Nehemiah to rebuild the walls of the city. I think of Naaman the leper. He had leprosy, a good man, a man of valor, but he had leprosy. He was going to die. And the little maid said, I wish he knew the man of God, Elisha. We, we get captivated by the story of Naaman. Naaman goes down to see the man of God and he doesn't even come out to see him and he gets angry and, and wroth and he throws a, and he throws a fit. One of the servants, his son said to him, if he'd asked you to do some great thing, you'd have done it. You know the story. He goes down to the Jordan River. He dips himself seven times and he comes up clean. But wait a minute. There was a little maid there that God put uh, to give him that word to say, you need to go down and see the man of God. If you could just see God's man, that's what you need. I'm saying tonight, one of the ways, and as I study the Scripture, the way I find the will of God is to stay in the right relationship and to stay in the right places. Do you see that the devil is fighting hard? Look at me. You see the devil's fighting hard to hurt your good relationships. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that? Isn't it an amazing thing what happens at a week of summer camp or at a conference like this? And then as soon as you leave, sometimes on the way out the door, the devil starts fighting against that good information and that good direction and that good relationship. You see, Satan fights hard against us. As I look back over my life of serving the Lord, I see how God placed people in my life to help me to know the will of God for my life at a particular time. I thank God for Brother Clyde Jones, Jr. I sat there just as a five-year-old boy, and he delivered the gospel so plain and so clear that I trusted Christ as my Savior. I see how that my parents were so essential to me knowing the will of God for my life. I think of my Sunday school teachers. I, I remember in particular my seventh grade Sunday school teacher, a man, Brother Steve Johnson, who had served as a, a foot soldier uh, in the army uh, in Vietnam. And he told stories of how uh, they were in Vietnam and men lost their lives for the cause of freedom. And it was amazing to hear those stories. And then he said this, You are a soldier. You're a soldier of Jesus Christ. And he said, the devil's out to ruin your life, but God has an armor that you can wear to keep you protected from the attacks of the devil. And he taught, taught us from Ephesians chapter 6. And I remember, I so admired that man that was a soldier. I remember I'd get up in the morning and I would imagine, I'm a soldier of Jesus Christ. I need to put on the helmet of salvation. I need to put on the breastplate of righteousness. I need to have my feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I need to have the sword of the Spirit. I need to have the shield of faith. I, I just, I, he, he affected my life. You know how I learned God's will for my life? God put that man in my life. I think of the men and the ladies. I think of my Sunday school teachers. I think of my family. I think of the preachers. Can, can I tell you something? I'm not my own man. I'm the biggest copycat in the world. I heard Lester Olaf sing, Run if you want to, run if you will. I said, Well, if that'll work for Lester Olaf, that'll work for me. I just copied. I found men that were successful. And I said, I'm going to do that. I found Sunday school lessons that worked for them. And I said, if it worked for them, it'll work for me. If that sermon worked for Spurgeon, it'll work for me. 
It'll work for my people. I just copy. I just got in line and found men headed where I wanted to go. And I got in right and good relationships. And that's how I found the will of God. And that's how I stayed in the will of God. Now listen to me. God has put people in your life to help guide and direct you in the will of God. And you need to stay in right relationships. Let me give you some good and right relationships we ought to stay in. First of all, you ought to stay faithful to church and every church service. You ought to stay in Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. You don't, you don't play football on Wednesday night, not in the city league. Oh no, listen to me. Wednesday night's Bible study night. Uh, you, you don't, you don't need to miss Sunday school in church. Can I tell you something? The devil don't want to have a relationship with you. He wants to destroy your relationship with God. Don't go getting impressed with the devil. Don't get impressed with the shiny, glittery crowd of this world. They ain't interested in you. They're not interested in me. Oh, they would be interested if they could use me and get something out of me. They're not interested in me. But I'll tell you who is interested in me. God's interested in me. Some folks today, young people, I've, I've found some of them are mad at God. I had a young man came to my office back a couple of years ago. He'd been to college and he'd been a religion major. And, of course, he was confused uh, ten ways to Sunday. I mean, he was just confused. And in anger, he said to me, God just isn't fair. I've heard young people say that God isn't fair. And I said to him, I agree with you. Surprised him, he said, you believe that? I said, yes, sir. I said, sir, if you got what was fair, you'd go to a devil's hell and burn forever. God gave His only begotten Son that you and I could have eternal life. If I got what I deserved, I'd go to a devil's hell. But I didn't get what I deserved. I got the grace of God and the love of God and the gift of God. Don't you tell me, God. We, we've got a world today mad at God. The media will fill your minds with that kind of... Well, where was God when all the shooting was going on in this school, in this school? Don't you remember you kicked Him out in 1960? What do you mean, where was God? If God never did anything for me but to save me, that's enough for me to praise Him until I get to heaven. Now look, I've got to stay in the right relationship. I've got to keep myself in the right place. Do you know why King David fell to his lust and adultery? Do you know every man had the same capability that King David had? Every man had those natural desires that if their eyes saw what David saw, they would have had the same affection, the same lust, and possibly could have committed the same crime. You know what caused David to be different? David was in the wrong place. He was just in the wrong place. He was supposed to be at battle, but he's not at battle. He's at home. He's where he's not supposed to be. I've found that if I keep myself in the right place and around the right people, I end up in the right place. Ask you a question. This simple question may sound dumb. Let me ask you a question. Jared, let me ask you a question. If you needed a pair of shoes, where would you go? Where would you go?
Hey, Brother Tyree, if you needed a new suit, where would you go? He'd go to the suit store. You ladies, if you wanted a new purse, I started saying needed, but I changed that. If you wanted a new purse, where would you go? Where would you go? Walmart. Did you all hear about the Walmart that burned in Tennessee? It was terrible. Left 300 women homeless. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you, and I'm serious, how many of you really do want to be happy in life? Raise your hand. You want to be happy in life? How many of you want to have joy in life? Raise your hand. I'm serious. How many of you want to have peace in your heart? Hey, you can't find it in the world. If you want a new car, you don't go to Walmart. If you want a new purse, you don't go to the car lot. We've got enough sense where to buy shoes and purse, but we want joy and we want happiness and we go to the world. Michael Jackson didn't die a happy man. He had all the world. Elvis Presley didn't die a happy man. The Beatles didn't. They've not had happiness. They went to one, I heard them tell a story. Went to one, I heard them tell a story. My wife and I were talking about this the other day. The Beatles, they were making their circuit. They went to one town and the, and the young people there were so on drugs and so stoned by the time they got there that they couldn't, it, it broke their heart. The promoters of the drugs and the music, they couldn't believe it. In fact, one of them said, I'm finished with drugs. If that's what it does, I'm finished. The Beatles ain't happy. Can I tell you who's happy? I'll tell you who's happy. That's the man or the woman, the boy or the girl, the teenager that's in the will of God, that's in the right place. If I want joy, if I want happiness, I don't want to go to the world. I haven't seen anybody out there that died with all of that. But I want to tell you something. I was standing there that morning, August 27th, 1986, when my dad closed his eyes. Hey, dear friend, let me tell you something. I saw the joy, not that he lived with. I saw the joy that he died with. I didn't see the happiness just that he lived with. He died a happy man. You know what we put on Sam Fugit's tombstone? Died at the age of 40. You know what we put on there? God is so good. You know why? Because God is good. The will of God is wonderful. The will of God is a place of joy and happiness. It's a place of peace. It's a place that is wonderful. I'm saying to you tonight, but you see the devil comes along. He said, come on, I'll give you a good time. He's a liar. He just, he's lying to you. you. You're not going to get a happiness out of pornography. You're not going to get a happiness out of booze. You're not going to get a happiness. I've seen them come to my office. Preacher, I messed up. I messed up. What'd you do? We was out, wrong people, smoking cigarettes, listening to rock music. Doc, I've never had one come to me happy. They were always sad. Well, wait a minute. The sign said it'd make you happy. When are we going to figure out if you want shoes? 
You go to the shoe store. If you want a purse, you go to Walmart. If you want a car, you go to the car lot. If you want happiness, you better get in the will of God. First of all, I need to be in the right church. I need to be in church. Second of all, Christian education is the right place to be. Don't complain about, well, we go to a Christian school. God help us. And I'm going to tell you something. You better read what the children of Israel did when they complained about God's blessing. God said, all right, you want leeks and garlic and onion? Is that what you want? Go ahead. You, you better be careful about complaining about Christian education. By the way, I remember the price paid for Christian education. I remember, the, I remember the letter that came and they said to my dad, if you don't put him in public school and shut down your Christian school, we'll take your children and we'll, and we'll put them in an a orphanage or a, we'll put them in foster care and you won't have your children. I remember the all-night prayer meetings. 1978, 79, 80. I remember going to Frankfurt State Supreme Court to see if we would have the right to educate our children in Christian schools rather than uh, them telling us we had to go to public schools. I remember the all-night prayer meetings. I remember my dad getting up every morning at 3.30 and 4 o'clock and running a paper route and taking the money that he made from the paper route to pay a principal that could educate me and educate us that was in our Christian school. I remember the price that was paid. We come along, well, I have to go to a Christian school. You ought to thank God you have a Christian school. The right place will keep you in the will of God. Bible college is a right relationship. I'll tell you in public what I tell anybody in private. I think every young person ought to at least go one year to Bible college. You say, do you think everybody's supposed to be a preacher or a missionary or full-time? I think everybody ought to be full-time. Now, you say, but, 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 but what if I'm a salesman? That's all right. Be a salesman to pay your bills, but you ought to serve God. Amen. But you ought to serve God. But I know God doesn't call everybody to full-time service as far as a pastor. Uh, you say, why would I give one year? Let me ask you a question. You afraid to? I said, are you afraid to? You afraid to stay in a year of concentrated Bible teaching and Bible preaching? You afraid God might call you to preach? Huh? You afraid God called you to be a missionary? Are you afraid? Hmm? You shouldn't be afraid to take one year and give it to God. One year of Bible college. God may not call you to preach. God ought to have the opportunity. You ought to yield. I've yielded to be everything. I'm yielded to be a preacher. I'm yielded to be a missionary. I'm yielded to be a janitor. I'm yielded to be a school teacher. I don't care, God. You're the master. I'm the servant. You just tell me where to go. You say, I'm afraid I won't have any happiness. I'm afraid you will. You give me your examples in the world. Show me the heroes of the world, how happy they are. Bible college is a right relationship. Christian friends surrendered to God's will is a right relationship. Christian friends surrendered to the will of God is a right relationship. Now here's what I found in the book. I found in the book when somebody surrendered to God's will, God directed them to a right person. 
I'm not ashamed to tell you that the reason I'm a preacher and the reason I, I said it last night, I'm an old time fundamentalist because I said when Lester Olaf gave his testimony and preached, and he said he was a uh, he was an independent fundamental Baptist. I said if that's what he is. That's what I want to be. Amen. This thing of nobody's going to tell me what to do. That, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. It's like the guy came to my office and he said, I, I'm tired of rules and regulations. I joined the Marines. <laughs> yep. I, I, you're not going to tell me what to do. I'll just join the Army. And that's real smart. Better be careful. You sleep on your side, your brain will roll out your ear tonight. Can I tell you something? When Joshua said, choose you this day whom you serve, he didn't say, choose you this day if you'll serve. He said, choose whom. Everybody is a servant. I just decided I was going to serve the winner. Everybody is a servant. Joshua said, choose whom you're going to serve, not if. He said, choose if you're going to serve the gods on the other side of the river, or if you're going to serve the God that brought you across, the God that fed you, the God that cared for you, the God that loved you, the God that delivered you, the God of miracles, the creator, the sustainer. You choose who you're going to, not if, choose whom. Now here's what I found. I found that the will of God is always connected to the right people in the right places. Lemon Lake said, Naomi, We've got a recession going on here in Judah. And they're hiring in Moab. Now we know better than to move down there to stay, but we're just going to rent. We're just going to lease. They're going to put any roots down. We're just going to go sojourn, just go for a little while. At the end... I came out full, but I came home empty. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Did you get that turned around? I thought there was a recession and there was no bread and you left and you left empty and you went down to Moab and you got full and you came back. No, no, no. She's, the Bible's right. Came out full because she left the place of bread. Can I tell you something? Famines are not to get you starved to death. Famines are to say, for God to say, let me show you I can take care of you even in the tough times. You say, well, I'm just going to do this a little while. Great lesson I learned from Dr. Howells. I learned from him that I do not decide how a person influences me, only decide who influences me. And once I let a person influence me, I will be influenced by them whether it be right or wrong. That's why I don't let John MacArthur influence me. He said, boy, he has some of the best commentaries. Yes, but he's dangerous when it comes to the blood. I don't, even want to, I don't even want to know what he says. You know, because there's potential. But he's so nice. You know what a deceiver is? A deceiver is somebody that you think is one thing, but they're really another. Boy, I tell you what, I'm really concerned. <clears throat> I'm, not, I, I'm not as concerned about Smiley Joe down in Houston as I am some independent Baptists that say, well, you know, we've really studied this matter and we really have some concerns about this King James Bible. Hey, if it's good enough for my daddy, it's good enough for me. And one of those intellects called me and said, can I reason with you a minute? I said, Sure. 
He said, did you get here the same way your mom and dad... I mean, did you get here the same way Adam and Eve got here? He said, no. God created Adam and Eve. I was born as a result, a result of my parents, birth from my parents. He said, you see, there's a difference. You understand? I said, I'm with you. He said, did we get the King James Bible the same way we got the originals? Now, first of all, that's a misnomer because nobody's ever seen the There's no such thing. The original is forever settled in heaven. And there's this straw man that's created. They said, did we get the King James Bible the same way we got the original? I said, no, we didn't. This book came as a result of translation. As holy men, uh, as uh, uh, men, the, the Spirit uh, gave through holy men and given by inspiration. I said, he, he said, all right, all right. Do you see the difference? I said, yes, sir, I see the difference. He said, you see, they're different. They're not equal. They're not the same. I said, yeah, but there's some similarities. When God breathed breath into Adam and he became a living soul, that's the same breath I breathe today. And the same breath that God breathed in what you call the originals is the same breath that breathes in my good book. I said, now let me ask you a question. It's July and you go pick green beans. Well, he'd asked me an intellectual question. I thought I'd ask him one. I said, you pick green beans and you break them up and you put them in a... falling, and you go get that can out of the warm house or wherever you keep your vegetables, what is it? He said, what do you mean, what is it? I don't understand. It's hard for intellects to understand common sense. I said, I'm asking, is it still green beans? He said, well, yes, green beans. Why would This old book right here is God's Word. Now, here's why I said that. He won't influence me anymore. I believe in old times separation. 19-year-old college boy said to me, Preacher, if you didn't separate over the Word of God, what would you separate over? Kulak's more important than the Bible. Hair part in the middle. Wire rim glasses. That's what you preach on on the buses when I was in college. You guys preach on pink shirts and all that. Silly bands on boys. For silly bands, then they won't separate over the book. Now, the way I stay in the will of God, I stay in the right place, around the right people. Not just when I'm 14, not just when I'm 19, but when I'm 46, 56, 66, and the Lord tarries is coming right on through till He takes me to heaven. The will of God is associated with right relationships. Heads about, eyes are closed. I'm finishing. Heads about, eyes are closed. What are your relationships? When you leave here, how will you protect your relationships? Some of you need to make a decision tonight. Well, I've got that friend right They influence me for the wrong things. Now, the Holy Spirit just told you who that was. 
Now, I'm not saying be Christ. You tell the preacher. You got to get right relationships. If I get the wrong relationships, now if I get the wrong relationships, I'm finished. I've got to keep the right relationships to stay in the will of God. Some of you need to make decisions tonight about keeping yourself in the right place around the right people. This conference will be for naught when you leave. We're not just here to try to get you to come to Bible college. I want you to be in the will of God wherever that may be. And I'll tell you one thing. You'll never know the will of God if you don't get around. The invitation song. You need to use the altar. Come right now.